Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. Good afternoon. I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. On Monday, I talked to my colleague Sarah Stark. She's a freelance producer working on Reset, a daily talk show here at WBEZ. And we started to get into the series she produced, Bias Against Bodies. Sarah talked a lot about the health problems associated with scrutinizing fat people's bodies. If you didn't get a chance to hear that episode, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're going to get into one of the places where fat phobia is the sneakiest, the workplace. How many of us have been invited or coerced into a weight loss challenge at our jobs? And it doesn't stop there. I mean, what really hit me is how both implicit and explicit biases about body fat come through in how we act at work, more so than most other biases. People are really, really unlikely to admit to a lot of these isms, except fat phobia. People are like happy. And I mean, I get this as a journalist, too, when I report on issues that affect fat people. Like, you know that you are going to get emails and replies to tweets where people are like, you're glorifying obesity. And, you know, we need to shame fat people into weight loss, that kind of thing there. It is really explicit. Um, That said, in the workplace, it shows up everywhere, like you said, implicit and explicit, from hiring through salary negotiations all the way into like actual workplace infrastructure. So like the width of chairs that you sit in. Like, lots of workplaces do not have desk chairs that accommodate people on larger bodies. And, I mean, when it comes to salary specifically, there's what Professor Rothblum calls the weight penalty, which is basically, like, we can't say how much less fat people make than thin people because your salary goes down as your weight goes up. So it's kind of on a continuum. So there's no one figure or one percentage. Hmm. And as Professor Rothblum pointed out to us and sort of really wanted to drive home, this affects women at a much lower weight than it affects men, especially in hiring, but, you know, sort of at every level of this. So she ran a study where they put identical resumes in front of a bunch of college students, sort of like a generic, like, recent college grad resume. And some students received um, the resume alongside a photo of a thin woman and some Uh, the resume alongside a photo of a fatter woman. And invariably, (laughs) across the board, students rated the slightly fatter woman worse in ability to manage a staff, ability to perform a physically strenuous job, hygiene, like just everything across the board, just from these two photos. And something that I think is noteworthy is that Esther, to her memory, she was like, I'm pretty sure these were photos of a woman who was, say, 120 pounds and a woman who might have been 150 pounds. So we're not talking we're not even talking about fat people here. We're talking about two thin women, one of whom is slightly less thin than the other. So it really starts to affect women at a much lower rate to the point where, quote unquote, underweight women, very thin women get paid more than their, quote unquote, average weight counterparts. I want to talk about language. Mm hmm. The workplace is an area where it's important for legal and emotional reasons to speak properly. Yeah, Um, yeah. No matter where we are, Mm -hmm. we should be conscious of how we talk about things. And I myself get tripped up at times. Just like a straight person might ask, can I say queer? Mm -hmm. Um, People might be asking themselves now, can I say fat? Um, You talked about it as a neutral term earlier, but I wonder if you could speak to some of that language nuance and orient us around that a little bit. 
Yeah, I think it's really it's a tricky question in the same way that for a long time queer was really tricky because, you know, queer people started using the word queer as a way to reclaim it um, because for a long time it had been used as an insult. Yes. And I think that the word fat uh, for fat people is kind of similar but also different in the sense that it is, like I said, for a lot of people, a neutral body descriptor. That's how I use it. That said, as a journalist and just as a person in the world, I tend to make sure that I am defaulting to the language that people use for their own bodies. So if somebody does not use the word fat to describe themselves and like they are not – either they're not there yet or they will never get there. They do not want to use that word because there is a lot of baggage that comes with that word in the world that we live in. I understand that and I want to make sure that I'm using the language that they they use for themselves. Um, I tend to avoid – words like obesity and overweight because they are very stigmatizing and pathologizing and make it easy for us to sort of separate people from their bodies and say, well, you know, I really care about this person, but I just want them to be healthy or that kind of thing. Like we, when we pathologize people's bodies, it's easier to hmm. express bias against them. Oh, that's very subtle. And separate I'm glad from you them. said yeah. that. I'm glad you said that example. Yeah, it is. It's, and it's one we hear a lot. All of that said, I think that when it's about, you know, whether or not any one person can use the word fat, a couple questions I would ask is, I mean, first of all, why do you feel like you need to describe people's bodies? Like what about a certain person's body makes you feel like you both need to and are entitled to talking about other people's bodies and body size? I cannot think of an any example in the workplace where it would be appropriate to comment on the size of someone's body. Like, none come to mind. Um, You know, I talk about the size of my body in the workplace when I'm reporting on anti-fatness, and I welcome those conversations from other people. But I am never going to go up to somebody and ask them about the size of their body or talk to them about the size of their body. I see. Um, How are folks combating fat phobia? How are folks finding joy in community? Yeah, I think community is something that came up over and over in the conversations that we had. Um, In particular, we talked to two local podcast hosts, Alex Stewart and Nikki Nunez, who co-host a podcast about dating while fat called Swipe Fat. Uh, And they have started traveling the world with other plus-size women which I really loved hearing about. We, you know, we're talking to them about access issues for fat people when it comes to travel, like, you know, seat size on airplanes and seatbelt extenders, that kind of thing. And the conversation really became about how much joy they were finding in community with other plus size women that, you know, they could go to a beach in Greece and not feel like they had to pull up their bathing suits or adjust their bathing suits every five minutes because they were around people who wanted to celebrate their bodies. Mm. And we also talked to Jovan Savic and Megan Kirby about this local vintage market, Thick Mall, that's like quarterly, I think once every three months or so, that's for sizes L and up is kind of their tagline. So it's basically a plus size vintage clothing market where it's a combination of local businesses and then also people bringing their own collections to resell. And I think finding community among fat people who love fashion can be so hard because fashion often does not love us back. I'm stealing some of those words a little bit from Megan Kirby because she sort of planted this fashion does not love us back in my head. Um, And so I think it has been really powerful for them to find community in fat people who love clothes and who want to share their love of clothes and who want to develop personal styles outside of like Torrid or Lane Bryant's like zebra print offerings, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, And those are just a couple examples. But I think that 
you know, fat community can be a really vibrant and joyful place. And it's wonderful that we are at a point where people can not just love their own bodies, but find people who encourage them to love their bodies and to take up more space. Sarah Stark is a journalist and freelance producer on WBEZ's daily talk show, Reset. Sarah, thank you again for getting into this difficult and important topic. Thank you so much. I'm really, really glad that we were able to take the time for this. Me too. If you haven't had a chance to check out the full Bias Against Body series, you can find it at wbez.org slash reset. Thanks to Sam Deer and Justin Bull for producing this episode and to Katie O'Connell and Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. If you have anything cool, interesting, fun, you want featured or important or hard <laughs> that you want featured on The Rundown, send an email to therundownpod at wbez.org. That's therundownpod at wbez.org. And I hope you already liked and followed the show. If you haven't, please do. If you have, tell a homie to. You like The Rundown. They'll like The Rundown. I'll be grateful. It's a win-win-win. All right. That's it for the show today. I'm Erin Allen, and I'll be back in your ears early tomorrow morning.